Welcome to a James Brindley Academy podcast. To learn more about our academy, head to www.jamesbrindley.org.uk. You can download all of our podcasts via the website or stream them on Spotify. Thanks for listening. So thank you for joining us for part two of the podcast, Introduction to Self-Harm. So today we are joined by Chelsea and Michaela, who are pupils, who were pupils at James Brindley, who's recently left us, um, and they're going to offer some advice and a guidance on managing self-harm from, a, from personal experience. So if part one of the podcast explained a lot of people self-harm um, as a physical response to psychological pain, and that we explained it was a coping strategy, and it also communicates distress, and I just wondered if you could relate to that. In any way, yeah, I think when you're going through something so like emotionally painful on the inside, you think, okay, I'm going through all this pain in my head. I want to express it and I want to get it out. Do you think if I put myself through physical pain, it might take away what's going on inside? Yeah. When really, it does feel like the second that you've done it, and then afterwards. It works out worse because okay. you've got to deal with that situation, you've got to deal with this situation, right. and it kind of puts you under more stress. So, as much as it, you may think it will help for yeah. immediate relief, really. yeah, yeah it gives immediate but long term, yeah, it's, it's no better, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that as well because when you do it, you, you kind of just focus on if I do it, then I'll feel the release, but you never think about the consequences yeah. of doing it and then afterwards you have to deal with even like feeling oh why have I done that? Oh I shouldn't have done that right. and stuff like that. So you you do it but then you end up with like three more things yeah. to deal with afterwards. Right, okay. And yeah. it's like the stress as well of knowing, oh my god I've done this. People are gonna see it, my mum's gonna see it, how do I tell people, how do I clean it, what do I do? If you don't know how to manage if you, for example, like experienced it where you've self-harmed in the past and you've dealt with it and your family have dealt with it, yeah. and then if you like relapse and you do it again, you kind of know what What's to do, yeah. how to get help, what to do next. But if it's like you've just suddenly got this stress on and you decide, okay, I'm going to do it, and it's like a new thing, you don't know what to do, yeah. and you're going to be under more stress then in case it gets infected or in case... like. Someone sees it, like if you're in school and someone wants to see it, or if you're going out on the street and someone sees it, there's a lot of stress because you don't know what anyone's going to say. So what did you, so what, if someone was self-harming now than a young person, um, or anyone actually, it doesn't have to be a young person, what advice would you give, like what type of coping strategies became regular practice for you to, that helped you self-harm less and develop other strategies? I think with me, it was, I really struggled at first with self-harm. And I struggled to talk about it and yeah. verbalise how I was feeling. So once I'd got that step of it out of the way, and I could say, I feel like this, I've done this. I might not talk much afterwards, but I've said it, I've got it out there. It's a lot, it's relieving. Oh, but so. also to have like physical things. So okay. as much as I'm feeling pain and I want to put pain on myself, if I just have like a fidget or something in my hands, yeah. something to just focus on, it kind of takes that urge away right. a little bit might still be there it's not as bad so like self-validation is so important yeah. isn't it for our mental health so 
learning to name what you're feeling and communicating that was a huge shift for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. How about you, Michaela? Mm. What did? Well, one thing that worked for me is like I'd concentrate on the consequences of if I did self harm. I think, well, if I do self harm, then you'll have to deal with telling your mum. You have to deal with having a scar. You have to deal with cleaning up and. You, it would stop me from thinking. Well, I don't want to do that because I don't want to have the repercussions of doing it after. So it that's, would kind of that's yeah. quite a skill, isn't it? Thinking ahead. Mm-hmm. That really is. And sometimes you might have to write that down so you can look at it when you come when the urge is so strong. Mm-hmm. Writing down the consequences or the responses that might occur might be helpful. Yeah. So the physical stuff you used to do, you were saying you like you like sensory stuff, mm-hmm. like holding something, squeezing yeah. something. A lot of people use ice, don't they? Yeah. Crunching ice, putting ice on skin, elastic bands on skin. That that always worked. Yeah. yeah. That one, because in a way, if if it's there and you can you can do it and you can feel the pain, it's like okay, I'm letting something out, but yeah. you're not leaving anything there. You're not Perfect. actually actually harming yourself. Yeah. Was there anything practical that you did, Michaela, to, to cope with that urge? Practical. Um, can't really think of anything that I did. I don't know. Um, I think when I did feel like it, I would um, I'd watch videos that I know would. Change your mood. Yeah, change yeah. your mood. Yeah. Distractions, huge, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, distractions, a lot of distractions. Yeah, putting your favourite music on, putting yeah. your favourite film on, mm-hmm. not isolating yourself. Yeah. It's a big one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, and I love um, self-soothe bags. So people that I work with are really encouraged to do like an emotional first aid kit or a self-soothe bag. Mm-hmm. So you'll kind of get out all your practical strategies or yeah. prompts, like a little um, makeup bag or a, you know, a bag that you can pull out and it's got your favourite photos in, your favourite song quotes, um, your squidges, your elastic bands, um, deep breathing exercises, anything to, to change your, the physiology of your body when, when it's just so intense, your emotions are so strong. And I think with me, I had those self-soothe boxes, bags, and as the years went on and I learned more, the bags got bigger and bigger and yeah. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel, at first I'd be like, okay, I don't want anyone to see it. I'm going to secretly put it in my bag and carry it everywhere. And then now I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to bring a big box everywhere I go. Yeah. And just carry it around. Like if I'm going to stay somewhere, I'll take it just yeah. in case. Because even though I feel fine with mental health, it's like you always said to me, it's like a roller coaster. You're going to go up and you're going to go down. And you might be fine. You might be up, you might be happy. It could be sunny, it could be outside. Everything's great. But then... In a second, you can go down to feeling like the worst emotions ever. Yeah. You don't know. It's unpredictable. So yeah. as long as you have everything you need there. And I think a thing with me, I always had to speak to my mum. Yes. Ev- every single time. I remember that. Yeah. I had to, like, I just had to hear her voice. Even if I didn't speak, I just had to hear her voice to know she was there. Because with me, my mum's like, she's like my biggest fan. But she's not my best friend at the same time. Yeah. And if I know that, okay, I can hear her voice. She's she's there. Even though she's not physically with me, I know she's there. And but it gives me a bit of hope. I have that got less and less with you. Yeah. As your support team got bigger. Yeah. So as you let more people in, 
I noticed that got less. Yeah, because it used to be, I'm ringing my mum, I'm ringing my mum. Nobody every else. Five yeah, no one else is allowed to speak to me. It has to be my mum. But then now it's like I can speak to anyone. Absolutely. And having a good support team is definitely helpful, isn't it, for a young person going through it? Yeah. Who's in your team? Who's going to say, come on, you can do this, you can get through this? So is there any other advice that you'd give a young person that's <laughs> trying to manage self-harm? Um, I would definitely say, and all this is like really cliche, but definitely tell someone. <laughs> like, Absolutely. I know that it would probably be scary because you're thinking, oh, especially like if it was your parents or someone you deeply care about, you'd probably think, oh, are they going to get really upset? Are they going to be annoyed at me, angry with me? But if you truly know that person and you know that person only has loving intentions towards you yeah. and the only place they'll come from is is at a point where they care about you so it is best to tell someone but tell someone that you you trust and you know that they will have your back no matter no what getting help is essential isn't it because mm-hmm. self-harming is a symptom of it's not the core problem mm-hmm. so getting help with the core problem is is essential and that might be family and friends might be enough or school supporting school but sometimes mental health services are needed aren't they as well mm-hmm. but yeah isolation feeds depression and anxiety yeah so telling someone is is a real key to recovery isn't it mm-hmm. definitely so parents and carers it's a huge huge um, stress for parents and carers isn't it they often feel explain to me how helpless they feel how they feel they can stop it, um, how they blame themselves when their child is self-harming and just feeling um, really at their depth as a, a parent or a carer when self-harm is occurring. Well, have you got any advice for parents and carers trying to understand self-harm and manage it with their child? Um, I think, try. I know as hard as it sounds, don't blame yourself because it's not... It's not, as a parent, it's not your fault. And as a parent, you do, you want to fix the problem and then you might get agitated and annoyed, not with your child, but with the situation because they're not letting you in. So you can't fix the problem. If you don't know what's going on, you can't make it better. Is what my mum would always say to me. If I don't know what's going on, I can't can't help. If you break your leg, I can see you've broke your leg and I can help you. But if you're crying, but you're not telling me what's wrong, I can't help the situation and then I think they would feel kind of helpless yeah but I think it's good to know that even if you can't literally help what's going on in front of you just being there for your child and comforting them yes they'll talk to you eventually but it's just giving them that bit of love so they know it's okay yeah even if you're not able to talk you're not able to verbalize what's going on like I'm here and I'm not going anywhere and it's, it's the best feeling in the world, just yeah. to know that you've got those Someone. people there. I think for a lot of parents it's really difficult to understand that the child might not know, because as you said earlier, I haven't developed the language yet, um, or the skills to, to explain to you what I'm feeling or what I need. Mm. Um, so yeah, that can be really frustrating for the parent and the child, can't it? Yeah. 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 How about you, Michaela? Um, I'd say to stay calm, because I know that the first instinct was to worry quite a bit but um, with a level head to look at the situation 
it might be more helpful if you are calm because if you're worrying and then that will affect the young person that's also dealing with it and so that will it won't help the situation but if you stay calm then it might just allow everybody to have a level head look at the situation and what things yeah. can be done to help that young person yeah yeah just give you space to think if you can remain calm to it just need time to think about what's happened what's triggered this mm-hmm. what can i do yeah. yeah and trying to help your child identify triggers is really helpful yeah. isn't it because they, they when their emotional brain is taken over the parent has to become the thinking brain for the child yeah. and helping them recognize i noticed this was what you was thinking and doing before you self-harmed. Feeding that back is really helpful, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, this is what I noticed when it happened. Yeah. Okay. So the final one then, have you got any advice for the new teachers that join James Brindley? So for a lot of our teachers, they've never had experience of joining, of sorry, managing um, self-harm. So it's so overwhelming for them. And then sometimes they go into this role where they think they can stop it. Mm. So I've seen them chase after pupils. They've got a broken pen or they've got a pencil sharpener. Really believing that they, if they just took this object off them, they would stop all self-harm. And I know from years of working here and in hospitals mm. that you can't stop self-harm. Yeah. You, can re- you can do harm reduction techniques, so count sharps in and out. Um, if they communicate to you, they feel quite, they've got an urge to self-harm, remove things from them or away from them. But the reality is they can't actually stop self-harm as a teacher. So I just wondered, from your experiences, what advice could you give? Um, I think don't panic. Yeah. Because panicking, if you're panicking, the child's going to panic. And they're already in a state of... I don't know what's going on, I'm having a stress, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I don't want to be here, what's going on, like their head's going crazy, mm. and then if you're there, like it's okay, don't panic, don't panic, and they're panicking, yeah. and you're panicking, it just feeds into the negative energy that's in the situation, yeah. it doesn't It doesn't help, and like with what you said, you can take everything away from a child, but as hard as it is, if someone's going through something, they will always find a way so it's not about trying to take everything it's about trying to reduce the risk but help them at the same time so they don't feel as though it's the the only way out or the only option that they've got left to choose yeah Mm. finding out what the trigger is and (coughs) watching myself care oh i was going to say um a piece of advice would be to let the student know that you are there that they can talk to you because a lot of um, new teachers tend to try and barge kind of thing, mm, but yeah. if you just say to the people that, I know you're going through this, I'm right here, I'm in such and such a room, if you feel the need to talk to me, I'm, I'm, I'm open any time, just come to me, it doesn't matter what you're going through, I will still talk to you. Yeah. It's kind of them knowing that. There's no judgment there. You're not just gonna try and hammer it out of them. That you can, you can go talk to them from me on free will. Mm-hmm. That makes them more likely to go and talk to you. So that really helps. Yeah. Yeah. And is there anything else that you feel you could offer advice on at the moment regarding? When I just think about your both your recovery, it's just so empowering and hopeful. 
Mm-hmm. 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 Like Michaela said, as cliche as it is, just try and talk to someone. And look, it is hard. Like I can speak from experience. Michaela can speak. It is hard. You don't. Sometimes you don't want to speak to anyone. You just like go away and get on my face. I don't want to talk to you. But really, you know inside that. If you just let a little bit out, even if it's one sentence or two sentences, that's one or two sentences less stress in your head than what was there before. And it's like, you only have a bucket, and your bucket's going to break if you put too much stuff in it. And that's what I always found. I would always go on about my bucket, and everyone would think I'm crazy. (laughs) But I knew that if I was saying to someone, my bucket's full, that was them knowing that, okay, she needs help. Yeah. And it's just about having like key words or phrases, if that helps and you can't actually say that I need help, just knowing you can say or look at someone and they know what's wrong. Okay, yeah. Mm. It's that communicating your need yeah, and for someone to understand that and be able to respond to that. Yeah. 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 Um, I would say to the person dealing with self-harm that you are able to get out of it and you know one day you'll be able to um, get by without doing it yeah um but even if it takes years you will eventually get there um and the only way to do that is to let people in so um yeah that's something i would say as well that's great thank you both so much for sharing your experiences thank you yeah We hope you found this podcast informative and interesting. To get involved in the conversation, head to our social media pages and use the hashtag JBA podcast. Go ahead and subscribe to our channel to never miss any of our podcasts. Thanks for listening.